I'm Tegan. I'm Megan. And this is The Office Hours, the podcast where two literature professors analyze the great American story. Hey, Megan. Hey, Tegan. We're at the end of 2023, and we're at the end of season three. We made end it. End of season three. This is, this is epic. So today we've got a little annex episode to kind of recap some of the things from the season, which with so many episodes has taken us a year, maybe slightly over a year to actually do. Yeah, this is, it's been kind of intense looking back and being like, oh my God, like that happened in this season. And also, wow, it's been so long since we talked about it. It, it, it was hard for me sometimes to re refresh my memory. So much happened in this season. Yeah, I actually have a quick little refresher. This is from Wikipedia. <clears throat> when you click on their overview of season three, they have bullet points for main plot lines. Oh, um, nice. So I thought I would just read those into the record to help refresh us and maybe our listeners. Um, so this is straight from Wikipedia. I'm, I'm, I didn't change it or rewrite it. So, uh, uh, the following major things occur. Jim Helpert's transfer to the Dunder Mifflin Stanford branch. Michael Scott's up and down relationship with Jan Levinson. The introduction of Stanford-based employees, Andy Bernard and Karen Filippelli. Pam Beasley calling off her wedding to Roy Anderson. The closing of the Stanford branch and subsequent merger with Scranton. Jim's new romance with Karen Filippelli. Ryan Howard's promotion to salesman. Dwight Schrute competing with Andy to be Michael's right-hand man, and Dwight, uh, sorry, David Wallace's search for a new vice president of sales. Uh, so those are the major threads that they have highlighted. Are there any that you would add or uh, re recall? I think that covers it pretty well. Um, I feel like we have at the beginning of the season, Oscar's departure and return. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one. Um, but yeah, I think I think that covers it pretty well. Phyllis got married. Yeah, I think that's major. They should have that here. Phyllis's wedding and Karen and Pam kind of ha having some tension over Jim. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely some tension over Jim. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. But, but I suppose before we get into our reflection mode, we should reflect on the last episode. Um, which was the season finale of The Job Part 2. Mm -hmm. So uh, heading over to accounting, do you have any revisions or regrets? Always. I almost always had some, some regrets and some revisions. One of them was an omission this time. And that was, I wanted to talk about when uh, Pam, so Pam and Dwight have kind of had this relationship in the episode where she is assisting him as the secret assistant to the regional manager since he has taken over. And at the end, when Michael returns, Dwight comes over to Pam's desk and he thanks her. Yeah. And I'm quoting here uh, for helping me when you held the title of secret assistant to the regional manager, you served the office with great dignity and they salute each other in this like really kind of slow and serious way. And I thought, I'm curious what your take is on this. I'd like to have a salute on my last day of work. Yes. 
I think that is one of the things that maybe the military really has going for it. Like <laughs> something nice about that officialdom and the recognition for Pam at the end there. And I thought I'd I'd like to have I'd like to have a salute on my walk out. I love that idea. No, I agree with you. The military does pomp and circumstance in a way that I feel academia could learn from a little bit and perhaps other uh, uh, whatever yeah. workspaces. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say in particular, I, I don't see why the military gets to have the um, like monopoly on the uh, gun salute at a funeral. I feel that that's one. <laughs> And didn't that come up in the uh, the episode where the bird dies? Uh, don't they do some kind of a, you know, uh, light it on fire or something? Anyway, but yeah, no, I I wouldn't mind being saluted. Yeah, yeah, salute, salute is nice. Yeah, at the funerals you get the um, you know, the playing taps that like little mm -hmm. horn thing. That's a nice. That's it's a nice. Why yeah. shouldn't it just be for them? Yeah, so I want to just incorporate um, some salutes into my work life. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so uh, that's, yeah. That's one. The other, I'll say I got some real pushback from my brother on my criticism of the word utilize. Right, row. And uh, he, as a student of economics, says, you know, there are times when economists use it. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Do I believe there are cases when, say, in some kind of economic analysis, you could use it and it would be right because you had used it for a reason? Fine. I'm open to that. What I'm not open to, though, is the abuse of the term in all contexts and whenever someone just wants to say use. So I just want to underline, I think, a, a point, a qualification that I believe I made, but maybe not clearly enough. Are there occasions? Yeah, potentially. Are people using it for those appropriate occasions most of the time? Absolutely not. Was this Nick pushing back? No, it was Ross. Oh, Ross, interesting. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. I was very surprised because I really thought he would be on my side with that. So, well, I um, just want to say, Ross, I take your side unequivocally and wholeheartedly. And oh. at the time on the podcast, I went along with it, you know, but I didn't, it didn't feel right to me that Megan was policing language. And I'm just so glad you're standing up for, for the freedom of expression uh, for economists. Wow. Well, while I'm at it. Uh, Unless like, Ross criticized me, then, then I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> then you're out quick. Um, let me take one more controversial, since I'm taking this as a platform for policing language, let me take one more <laughs> controversial stance. I think this one's going to ruffle some feathers. Uh-oh. I really dislike the way that gift has started being used much more frequently as a verb. Like, she gifted me this book. Mm. Instead of saying she gave me this book. I don't know why it drives me crazy. It seems like something that has exploded. Like if you could follow the graph of usage between say 1995 and today, it would be, but even just, I think that this is since like 2020 or something. It feels like a very recent massive explosion of the word gifting to gift, gifted, and I take issue with it. So I have no problem with moist, but I've got a big oh problem. Boy. 
So just I just decided, you know what, I am going to use this as a platform to voice some controversial opinions. Can we just quickly sort of trace the origins of that? So the typical phrase would be something like, I'm giving this as a gift, right? And so it's shorter, right? It's economical uh, to say I gifted this, but was there some like internet context in which I'm gifting you uh, emerged? I'm trying to imagine, like in the way that we're like, I Googled this, I'm Venmoing you. Um, but we already have received a gift. Like this, this was not a new thing in the world, like Google and Venmo, where you make them into verbs. And I don't have a problem making those things into verbs, actually. Right. right. Um, yeah. Did I do any research on this? No. Do I have any good grounding for it and evidence? No, but I do have a strong, strong feelings about it. Um, well, however, oh, 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 if I may, uh, <laughs> the earliest known use of verb gift is in the late 1500s uh, in wife and moral skin, according to uh, Oxford English Dictionary. <laughs> however, there's a 2014 Atlantic article called gift is not a verb. Oh, oh. <laughs> who uh, wrote that? Uh, let's see. Uh, Megan Garber. Um, My pen name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is this about Megan's? Um, uh, but if it, if this article was written in 2015, that means it really must have begun around then, right? It wouldn't just be. It has to have exploded. Uh, I'm going to send you this article, though, because. Uh, Please do. Um, Please do. Anyway. Okay. I apologize. I like to really take issue with um, language as we know, but I did recall in reviewing this season that Michael uses the word epiphery, and I absolutely love it um among other michaelisms so you know it's complicated but uh i felt like i had to go back and address that any revisions and regrets for you uh nope i don't know if we talked enough about just how funny that um you know um what's her face jan moving in with michael is mm -hmm. <laughs> uh but yeah, that you know, just that final car ride and Michael kind of being like, oh, fuck, it's really amusing oh. to me. But no, I don't think I have any other revisions and regrets. And we have no messages um, at Pam's uh, corner. So uh, whatever it's called now, I know I keep changing that. But if you want to email us, you can at the best office hours. No, the best office hour, <laughs> the uh, best office hey. hours podcast yeah. at gmail.com. Yeah, plural. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's why we're getting no emails. Uh, but yeah, and you should follow us on Instagram and comments. And uh, that's it. I will start posting again. Uh, uh, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I gave up on Twitter a long time ago, but I feel like time proved that to be a fine choice. So uh, <laughs> it all worked out. Well, so there is no episode description because what we're doing today is taking a look back at season three. Uh, and this is going to be the first of two Annex, at least two Annex episodes. Um, the next one will focus on the Dundies and looking back at our Dundee trends, Dundee data. Um, mm -hmm. But this episode, we're going to be giving out awards. Dundies, one might say. One uh, might. Uh, 
and just reflecting a little bit on the season as a whole. Um, so yeah, where do you want to start, Megan? Should we start maybe kind of big picture with either best episodes, favorite episodes, or least favorite episodes? Yes, let's do that. Okay. You start us off. You want to go best or worst? Let's go worst first. Okay, yeah, we'll um, build it toward more joy. We'll start in a dark place and then yeah. We'll and I thought for a moment, I was like, should we even do worst episodes, you know, um, mm -hmm. because I feel like, uh, you know, our job is to praise the things that people hate. And uh, uh, especially you know. when that thing is Michael Scott. What did you say? I said especially when that thing is Michael Scott. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. Um, so I have three that I've listed as least favorite. Um, how many do you have? I'm curious. You know, I don't have exactly a number. I have more of a impression. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I'll go and and uh, you jump in where you want. But um, but my okay. So the very first one uh, that I am putting up as my least favorite is the return. Um, this return, is the, really yeah, this is the episode in which um, Oscar comes back. And uh, I guess, oh, and what else happens in this episode? Um, White oh, this is the one where Andy steals, or um, Jim steals Andy's phone, puts it in the wall, and Michael is upset about Dwight's resignation, and he's working at Staples. What were you going to say, Megan? Yeah, just that thing that Dwight also, Dwight is working at Staples, and he also returns. And it ends with Jim uh, revealing he still has feelings for Pam. Um I mean, um, there are elements of this I like. I think, you know, the Dwight working at Staples is very funny to me, although I don't feel like that joke goes very far. Um, <clears throat> and the Andy stuff is kind of funny, although I got to say I kind of hate Andy just as a character in general. But the reason this one was one of my least favorites is I just felt that Oscar's leaving and coming back was not significant enough. It felt like a missed opportunity for me. And I don't know, the Mexican theme party thing was just like, okay, I like the opening bit where Michael's trying to be like a gay ally. Um, but yeah, I just think it's like kind of a, after all this time away, I, I felt like it was a bit of a, just a disappointment or a missed opportunity, I guess. You could do without, you could do without that. Well, I want to jump right in and argue against you. Oh, and... great. <laughs> On behalf of The Return is a strong episode. It's a tough one on multiple rewatches because Andy has that rock and Robin cell phone ring. Oh. And the thing, which is funny, is Jim hiding the phone in the ceiling and then calling it over and over again. The problem with rewatching is that the song is so annoying that it becomes really difficult, I think, in that way to rewatch. However, let me highlight a few things that I think raise the greatness of this episode uh first of all the description of dwight's job search he kind of recounts what he's doing the way that he goes into interviews we see little clips of that and i think that there's some really strong dwight in this episode michael drives his convertible to work and it is winter and the top won't go up and um it you see the snow it's a snowy winter day the snow starts falling in michael drives to staples to get dwight and he has to 
shovel out his car but he just has the little windshield scraper so he's like lifting out these little bits of snow and um let's see uh dwight beats the pinata to death like violently oh, at the end. yeah and i did think it was so oscar's return ends up kind of getting overridden by dwight's return because dwight arrives and thinks that all of that was for him um, but one of the other highlight moments in that for me is when Michael asks Oscar something like, does this remind you of your childhood or does this remind you of Mexico or something? And Oscar goes, no, it it does remind me of the three amigos, that movie, <laughs> the three amigos. And Michael's like, thank you, Oscar. That means so much to me. <laughs> so I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing. Sorry. I guess I've got a lot of things to defend this episode. <laughs> Um, when Michael goes back to get Dwight and ask him to come back to the office, I think it's really very sweet and kind of a touching scene. And one of the images that stands out is when Dwight and Michael are standing across from each other and there's a big pile, a box of boxes of staples paper um, in the middle of them. And there are all these different colorful papers on the back. And so there were just a lot of little bits to love in there i thought yeah i i i disagree about the reunion or the you know the moment where michael goes to apologize i i don't know i actually find michael kind of gross in that moment and it just doesn't it doesn't land for me uh but i agree with you about some of the funny bits but you know i mean every some of the best episodes have not great bits and vice versa some of my least favorite have funny moments and I think there's an argument to be made that like watching the show on the level of the episode might not be the best way to go. Like that there are, that it might be better in terms of bits <laughs> and we'll get to that with the gold open. But uh, anyway, yeah. So was the negotiator, I'm sorry, what was this? The, no, uh, what was it called? Phil no, what was this one called? The return. return. The return <laughs> one of, uh, I'm like looking at my notes. Was the return on your list of favorites? It actually was. Oh, shit. All right. Do you want to make your case? It was one. I th I basically made it in my counter argument. Okay. To you. That really is it. But wow. I don't know. The same. So there are these elements of it that I think are really funny and that I really, really enjoy. But as far as a super watchable episode where I would just really like to go back to it just to watch it for fun, it wouldn't actually be up there in the same way. Uh, interesting. Yeah. We have to think about what the criteria for favorite and least favorite is so we need a rubric <laughs> uh, yeah rubric all right well i'll give you another one and we'll see if it's on your uh list somewhere but so my next least favorite and i know you're going to be upset about this is the negotiation um was this on your list of favorites let's see the negotiation is the one where uh daryl is negotiating for a higher yeah. salary and michael wears a woman's suit to the office yeah yeah, I like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay, tell me why it's the worst. All right, well, I will say, I didn't say the worst, just my personal least favorite. And okay. on the one hand, the, the I mean, I, I we will come back to the Michael's um, bisexual suit, which is a great <laughs> moment in all of Office Dumb so far. Like, don't get me wrong. And I like that we get a lot of Daryl. Like, I feel like this season, there hasn't been enough Daryl, so I enjoy that. Um, but, uh, I feel like this episode is wonky 
first in terms of its layering of the Jim Pam plot and then Jim trying to thank Dwight for protecting him onto the negotiation like just I just never quite fit for me um so there's that and then I don't know and, and forgive me but I just always when we talked about it and watching it, I just felt like Daryl comes off a little too sexist for me. And so it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Like I was kind of like, I want to like Daryl, but I also don't love this. Like, you know, get, tell your woman, you know, where, who wears the pants kind of element of this yeah. episode. Um, and it's effective in manipulating Michael. And I appreciate that, but um yeah, and I feel like the focus then shifts away from Daryl on the Michael. So, yeah, I don't know. Just just one of my least favorites. Fair, fair. All right, what what then is your final? You had three least favorites, right? Yeah, I did. Do you want to make any other defenses of negotiation? Um, just that. I mean, the woman suit is that whole thing. I think it is so funny. I think the way that Michael talks about it and responds to it including when he says so it's not entirely a woman's suit it's at the very least bisexual uh is great i do think i mean you're you're right about the sexism in the daryl thing and at the same time daryl is so funny about it in his reaction um so i do enjoy it um okay my last this is gonna also be controversial choice i think but my my it's the episode that comes right after this and my other least favorite is safety training. Um, and I just, I don't know, like it's a, it's like more missed opportunity than it is because there are a lot of moments in it and we will talk about some of them that I really think are hilarious, but kind of, I don't know, Michael's so whiny and, and um, his depression doesn't come off as funny to me <laughs> in it. And I like the, yeah, I don't know. Just something about the rhythm of that episode. I think it starts out so strong and then it ends a bit deflated. Um, and there's a really funny line. You know, Daryl has some great moments in that in the beginning. And then it's like you it's you're courageous just to be you yeah. about your day. Yeah. You know, there's funny moments, but I just I don't know. And I think, yeah, for whatever reason, it's just more of a missed opportunity for me than anything else. I would I would agree that is also one of my least favorites it's the one where Andy has been away and anger management in the beginning the cold open is that he returns now he's being called Drew which yeah. Jim refuses to call him and Dwight shuns him there's the thing with the Baylor yeah <laughs> the that's great lesson, the safety lesson around the Baylor is probably to me my favorite yeah. part of it because yeah. Michael wants so badly to use this piece of machinery that he absolutely should not touch and he develops the trampoline plan to pretend that he's going to jump off the roof to get everyone to recognize the danger of the modern office but uh yeah it's it's just not a favorite of mine well that's that's uh, me on least favorite okay so we have one point of agreement <laughs> point of solid agreement i would say my other two I do not care for when the um, Stanford people come to Scranton. Mm. I really, really don't love that. And so that kind of puts, there's a set of two of them um, Is this that the go together. 
Yeah, the merger. I would say the merger and probably more controversially, the convict. Wow. Yeah. So the merger uh, is where let's see, Jim and Pam reunite. Stanford branch merges. Michael's welcoming the people, yada, 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 all of that stuff. The convict is the one where he discovers that uh, one of the employees from Stanford, Stanford um, had been in prison. And then, you know, he performs Prison Mike. So that's where we get Prison Mike. But it just, I don't know if it's like, I don't really like many people from Stanford. And remember that. I don't, you know, you, it's not the kind of situation where you get to know them well enough. And so it feels like it just has to do too much stuff. And then there's not yeah. as much space for, for sort of nothing to happen and that nothingness to just be very funny. So those would have to be my bottom. And part of what I um, would like to do as a related point is give out my Toby of the season award. And that is based on Michael saying that Toby is the worst. <laughs> and so for me, the one who is the worst is, oh no, I'm blanking on her name. Oh, um, hold on. I know who you're Oh my to. gosh. You really hate her. Uh, <laughs> Hannah? I wish, I wish I could edit this out. Was it Hannah? Hannah. What's her last name? She's got a hyphenated last name. Hannah. Um, why can I not remember this? Hold on, I got, I'm pulling it up. I got it, I got well, it. Whatever it is, I cannot stand her. I think she is just insufferable. She is so unpleasant and uh, I just oof, can't do it. Can't do it. So she, she is my, Toby is to Michael as, what's this woman's name? Anna. Anna from Stanford is to me. I'm trying to find her full name. It'll pop back into my head at some point. Um, yeah. I keep thinking oh, of... Anna Smotterich Bar. Smotterich Bar, yes. Smotterich Bar, that's exactly it. Yep, she's the worst. Yeah, wow, wow. <laughs> um, well, I so this was... Uh, it was The Convict, right? Yeah. Um, I had this as one of my top favorite episodes. Whoa, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think the reason why is pretty much Prison Mike. <laughs> it's so iconic. It's so funny. It's so over the top. I love Zany, as you know. And um, but I also what I also really like in this episode is the um the, like I rem I just really enjoyed our like conversations about it, and I really enjoyed the way the episode is kind of trying to like build on what michael learned from um diversity day uh, oh. and like see how that kind of backfires and then the idea that they're all kind of trolling him and it gets to him is really funny to me and then that toby teaches him a lesson and that michael learns i think you know like oh wait by teasing you in this way they're it's like a loving thing. It's like a friend, a thing friends do. And I, so I just really like that resolution. But anytime Michael like locks people in the office is just amusing to me. So <laughs> yeah, I, I like this one. Okay, but I, I do agree with your critiques. I do think one of the weaknesses 
and we talked about this all along is is the kind of the the merging happening in the middle of the season and it it's not really committed to that it's just a way to bring um jim back with a girlfriend essentially and introduce karen and andy and that's fine but yeah it's kind of treading a lot of water yeah. all right well let's see do you want to hear one of my favorites yeah Wait, have you done all your favorites no i have too many favorites but let's see <laughs> one two three four five six more i wrote i wrote seven oh, episodes, wow. okay. but i i wasn't i'm not committed i didn't rank them i didn't think too deeply about which was my number one yet but okay we'll throw out another one for us let's let's hear what else you got uh the coup i really like the coup um okay and the coup is the one where uh dwight tries to take over michael's job right yeah this is sorry i cut you off say again where he goes behind michael's back right and talks to jan yeah i just find you know it's you know i love dwight and i just really enjoy that entire through line of the season where dwight is trying to get uh, his job and this sets that up in a really nice way but then also all of the little bits the um uh the ways he like you know starts to make all these big changes he wants to demote michael right doesn't he you know like kind of put him in his place and then my favorite parts are meeting jan at the diner and knowing about claiborne's and <laughs> stuff like that i just really love all of that um, your glasses are claiborne's <laughs> And the way that he begs for forgiveness, I don't know. I just really enjoy it. Um, I think I remember critiquing at the end that it was, no, maybe I, maybe I preferred this to the one where he comes back from Staples because mm -hmm. I felt like the, the reconciliation between him and Michael was somewhat similar. Um, mm -hmm. but either way. Yeah. I just, I like that Dwight plot a lot. Nice. All right. Do you have, so are other Dwight centric episodes in your top? Is this a theme for you? Hmm. Interesting. No. Uh no, actually all the others are not, I would argue, not Dwight centric. Not Dwight centric. Okay. Or, um more, what do you call it uh, when it's the whole cast? Ensemble based, mostly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Give us an example. What's an ensemble episode that you uh Benny Hanna Christmas and Traveling Salesman and Beach Games all made my top. Um, and it's basically for the same reason. I love um, two things happen in these that I really love. Number one, the whole office is basically involved, like their stories are kind of entwined, and we're leaving the office. So we go to Benihana's, we get hilarious scenes at Hibachi. Andy is his funniest, I think, um, in that episode. Um, you know, I love a Christmas episode. Yeah. Salesman, I love the team ups. And mm -hmm all of them kind of going on the road and we get to see Jim and Dwight being so effective. Um, we get to see Karen and Phyllis kind of bond. Yeah. Um, and then beach games. Yeah. I just think it's so funny to see everybody kind of playing off each other. Like when Stanley starts to take it really seriously and shove uh, Jim and yeah. So just, uh, and I, I really like the resolution to Benihana Christmas where the two Christmas parties come together. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, I, I I find those to be memorable and and would want to rewatch them. Yeah. Well, okay. So I think Beach Games is one I could really skip when I'm on just a pleasure rewatch. But let me tell you what I would never skip: Benny Hanna Christmas. Yes. 
particularly part one. I love that episode so much. And I think it kind of comes down to a few really key moments first. And maybe this says something too about what is the logic behind my selections? Mm. It's kind of thinking, and, and I think as I approached this with what I would say are my top two, they felt like ones where I just think they're so fun to go back and watch. Like if I just want to relax and watch and enjoy, these are two of them. Mm. So the top moments for me that locked down Benny Hanna, so that as I was reviewing, I was like, this is it. This has got to be there. First, this is where we have Michael's Christmas card. So he is dating Carol at the time. Yeah. The one where he puts, he photoshops his face onto a picture with oh. Carol and her kids who are actually in real life, his wife, and I'm sure his kids, but Photoshop nonetheless. And it is such a hilarious and insane thing to do. And it's so creative and it is wonderfully Michael. And I love it. We also get in this episode the part where he is lying on the ground, just kind of moaning and lamenting this breakup with yes. Carol. And he's behind Pam's desk, and all we see is his legs sticking out from behind the desk. Hilarious. And also, this is when he plays that Goodbye, My Lover song <laughs> in his office. And he doesn't just buy the whole song, he just plays that little 30 seconds over and over again. And so those were just top-notch moments for me. Yeah, love it. Oh, you're bringing back some of the great moments. Great, great moments. I have two more I'll I'll mention. And um, one of them, it's really just part of the episode, I guess. Um, I'm trying to find the full description of it. Uh, um, yeah, okay, so business school. Um, yeah, no, actually, I'm going to say the whole episode. I, I love this episode. I'm not, I don't know that the whole thing would I necessarily want to rewatch, but there's just elements of this I absolutely love. Number one, the, you know, Ryan and Michael team up and leaving the office. I think when Ryan is involved, it's really, it can be really, really funny. Um, and, you know, uh, then we've got the bat in the office and I really enjoy Jim's pretending to be a vampire. It might be one of my favorite Jim pranks um so far in the show and then we also have pam's art show and that becomes i think really significant for beach games so but mainly it's just that whole scene of the uh lecture at the business school and him tearing the uh pages out of the person's textbook uh and then yeah. my I, I would put this possibly as my favorite episode of the season i think um Possibly. And it's product recall. I love, Michael, uh, you know, basically like, you know, trying to avoid the scandal and get ahead of it. And like uh, just all the elements of that. And isn't that the one where he kind of makes his terrorist video at the end, basically? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we get one of the cringiest scenes for me, which we'll get to that list, but is Jim and Andy going to the high school to apologize and Andy mm. out to have been dating a student and <laughs> a just, yogurt chef. <laughs> yeah. And I love, love Michael um, inviting the client who doesn't accept his apology. Oh, so good. I like that one. It's a great standalone episode, I think. All right. All right. Any others for you? Well, I do have a, 
I've got one more, but I want to say a couple things about your choice of business school. Um, I really love that one too. One of the things that's interesting, based on the titles of the episode, it tends to kind of prioritize one thing. And then as I go back and I rewatch, I'm like, oh yeah, this is also the episode with Pam's art school. And it's also the episode with the bat. But I um, really like the story about Pam's art school. Michael going, I think just one of the touching, most touching moments of the season is when Michael goes and is very moved looking at her painting of the building and he wants to buy it and he hugs her. One of the things I realized though, going back and watching it, that to me is maybe the great mystery of the season. So you mentioned the candy bar thing and he, in his lecture at the business school, uses candy bars to say like, you know, maybe you sell whoosie what's-its or whatchamacallits and maybe you'll make a hundred grand. So he's using them all for a purpose. When he hugs Pam, he has the chunky candy bar in his mm. pocket. And my question is, what do you think the chunky was going to be for? Like, what was the statement he was going to make? How was he going to weave it into lecture? I mean, this is a speculative question and it's unknowable, but I, I think it's I think it's now the great mystery for me. Mm. Oh, my God. That's going to haunt my dreams. <laughs> yeah. So we'll just let you and the listeners be haunted on that. The other thing I really another moment I really love in that episode is when Michael and Ryan have come back and in the car, Michael has told Ryan to pack his things and Ryan thinks he's going to fire him. And it turns out he's just moving them to the moving him to the annex. And he says a good manager doesn't fire people. He hires people and inspires people, people, Ryan, and people will never go out of business. Mm -hmm. And I felt like we just really got a sense of what Michael's business theory is and something where there isn't really room for that in business school. Like the people's questions are all about profitability and yada, 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 all of that stuff. And yeah, you do need those things to run a business that keeps going. But for Michael, that really isn't it. And he really is in the people business. And so I just thought that was kind of a sweet takeaway in this business school episode. But I would say my, um, I think one of my other, my, top would this be my number two i don't know i don't know quite where to place it but episode season three episode two the convention yep they go out to the uh you know office supply convention and dwight's there and michael and jan and they're staying at the hotel and i just find it to be a really really fun episode and the best moment what i think is one of my favorite moments in the office of all time is Michael's hotel party. He tries to throw a party at the hotel and he has no guests come. And he's just, Jim comes in at some point and Michael is sitting in the dark and he is playing this girls gone wild song. And it manages to do that combination office thing of being so sad and heartbreaking and so hilarious at the same time. So no, I agree. Love the convention. Um, well, can I uh mention something in that context then? Because I have particular awards 
not just for the show, but for the podcast, uh, for our year of recording. And one of my awards is the best um, and most convincing Megan argument. And that goes to our episode on the convention. And really? yeah, I felt like you made a really convincing case on that episode, especially for um, Michael's like success as a salesperson. And because if I recall, you really tried to argue that like the, it's sort of in the background of the episode that he's oh yeah I made this thing and I you know it, 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 he made a connection and he closes some kind of deal right and yeah, yeah. does it partly because of his party right and um or his social kind of efforts yeah yeah um, but I felt like you you made the strongest case there for the claim that like Michael actually is successful at his job, even though it often appears that he's not working, um, like it, it was a follow up to your argument in Pretzel Day, um, which was I mean, a controversial Sally sale. <laughs> yeah, and I was not convinced fully on your Pretzel Day argument, but I did feel like you brought it home with the convention. So you get your best Megan argument award. Okay, I am very proud of that, and I wish that I had thought to prepare some awards for the podcast. But I did not. Um, okay. But yeah, okay. I, do, I do stand by that. And in, in Pretzel Day, he sounds, and this is when uh, Pam is tracking his hours in his work in that little chart for Jan. And it looks like he's just doing Cosby impressions. But what he's actually doing is talking to whoever Coselli is. And right. that's a really big deal. A really big account. Um. Well, just quickly while we're on this subject, I've got one more I want to highlight, which is um, so I, I just gave you the best Megan, like most convincing argument award. Mm -hmm. um, but this award goes to uh, the best, I think, argument between us, oh, my favorite yeah. argument between us. And I think it should be obvious to everybody, especially longtime listeners. But it is the Stanford versus Scranton office decor debate. <laughs> Yes. which lasted at least three episodes and is possibly our most intense disagreement on the pod. Um, but the runner up for best uh, argument betwixt us is the best bear, um, <laughs> which we were trying to argue what is the best, you know, bear based on uh, uh, Dwight's uh, criteria. Um, so those are my two favorite arguments that we had this season. <laughs> Wow, those were great arguments. <laughs> yep, yep. We really got into it. Well, maybe we should go to the part of the show that makes you most uncomfortable. Ugh. And I want to talk about your most cringe-inducing moments or episodes in this season. Okay, I've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. Um... So I've already mentioned one. I'll just recall it. It's Andy at the high school. Um, <laughs> I didn't write down where all of these are from, but uh, but this, but whatever. Uh, that one uh, was the uh, replacement. Oh, product recall. Yeah. Right. Um. So when he he finds out about the the girl at high school, and she's like, "I got to go to Spanish." Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then the scene with the principal and it's like, you know, he's, uh, you know, denouncing her to the principal. Oh, it's so painful for me. Um, uh, let's see the, 
Oh, the stripper in the warehouse. Uh. <laughs> Which is from what uh, episode? It's right before Phyllis's wedding, right? So it's Ben Franklin episode. And yeah. oh my God, when he, you know, the way that um, Bob Vance of Vance Refrigeration is like, nope, that's all you. And then Michael's mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll do it. And then um, he's like, oh, your clothes smell nice to use Tide or something like that, detergent. And then... He's like, wait a minute, I have a girlfriend. Oh, God, it kills me. Kills me. Um, Also in the warehouse for me is when Michael interrupts Daryl constantly during the uh, safety training. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So the beginning of that episode is both hilarious and excruciating. For me, when Daryl is trying desperately to um, get him to, you know, understand um the merger stage scene when he tries to get martin to get up on the stage tony tony sorry martin is the convict right yeah okay yeah tony tries to get up on the stage and just excruciating but i've saved the 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 most cringiest and soul crushing from last and i'm excited to hear yours the Diwali proposal, I mean, oh, yeah. worse. I even just thinking about it makes my stomach turn and every element. The fact that what's his girlfriend's name? Uh, Carol. Carol is in the cheerleading outfit and he's, yeah, proposes. Oh, it's awful. And the way the things he says, awful. But there's nothing I I tried to pick like a particular moment from Phyllis's wedding. And it's uh, it's not the speech he gives. It's when Michael goes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time, you know, Phyllis and Bob Vance or whatever. And it's like before they pronounce them, you know, husband and wife or whatever. Oh, and then he does it again. It's so agonizing to me. Um, well, so that one doesn't give you the combination of pain and pleasure at all, because that one, the ladies and gentlemen, for the first time as a couple one, I love that one makes me really happy. I think you have a tolerance. You have a pain tolerance that I don't have. I have it for, you know, tattoos and, you know, emotional trauma, but not cringy social awkwardness okay your nerf for this kind of thing <laughs> okay well on that note uh one quick award the funniest meganism from this season of the podcast goes to megan for nerf uh, <laughs> using nerf as an adjective uh so congratulations on your meganism award well thank you but just one of the many words that i've stolen from the show <laughs> and i took that from daryl right isn't it daryl tells michael yeah that- yeah yeah which comes in that that's a great the part of the safety training video right so oh yeah that is nerf life um okay what about your soul crushing cringe inducing stomach churning moments so one of my top most uncomfortable is definitely when michael tries to get tony onto the table and Part of it is, oof, I'm trying to think, like, what are the things that make it tolerable to me or not? Because, like, that one, the Michael announcing, and maybe it's partly the times when the kind of discomfort of it is that Michael is really embarrassing himself and maybe really annoying other people, but not humiliating them. It's just really funny. But in this Tony, it just seems 
so uncomfortable for him that it just feels very uncomfortable for me too. So kind of hate that moment. The couple of them are actually related to Pam. One of them is Pam's date. So when she goes on the double date with Kelly and Ryan, and it's that guy who does cartoons for the newspaper. Oh, just the conversation between them is really uncomfortable. And she has sort of unbuttoned her shirt a little bit, as Michael recommended. And he looks at her chest, and then she just sort of subtly with one hand, like, rebuttons the top button back up. Ugh, I, that guy just ugh, makes my skin crawl. Mm. My other, uh, other cringe scene is when Pam tells Karen in the kitchen that she's not into gym. I think this is actually in the Ben Franklin episode. Um, Karen asks if she's still into him and she says, yeah, totally. Oh, wait, I, you know, I misunderstood your phrasing. I'm not into Jim. That just felt like an intensely awkward moment to me. Oh, that was pain. Yeah. Oh, right. But one that I want to celebrate a moment of this that I want to celebrate that I thought was very uncomfortable, but also very fun is when Michael kisses Oscar. In uh, it's the first great. episode of the season, yeah. Gay Witch Hunt. Yeah. And, you know, Michael is like doing a seminar about coming out and trying to embrace Oscar in the worst way possible. Ultimately, Oscar does get a long leave on this basis. Um, but I, I timed it. I went back. I looked. I timed it out. There are seven seconds of contact Ooh. in this kiss and if you will recall michael his lips are all like tight and hard and oscar's mouth is a little bit open and just oscar's reaction and his performance in this entire scene is so funny yeah. um so i feel like that whole scene just really kind of uniquely combines painful and hilarious yeah uh is that's gay witch hunt right yeah yeah. yeah, I did have that also under queerest episode, and I felt like it was just an obvious pick. But I have mm -hmm. to say, it took some steam out of our like, let's read Michael Scott as gay because it was like, well, here it is, like <laughs> it's just right on the nose, like. But yeah, anyway, so I, 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 yeah, great queer episode. Great, great episode. Well, let's see, what else do we have? Do you want to? You said you have some more queerest episodes. No, I just had that one. Uh, but I do have, um, if you want some more podcast awards, um, before we jump to uh, our other categories, um, favorite episodes to record. For whatever reason, uh, Diwali really stands out in my mind as a fun one uh, for us to discuss. I don't know why I didn't really listen to it. I just remember it being really fun. Yeah. Um, and I think having a fun kind of analysis of it. And then the other one that I wrote down was women's appreciation. I thought that that was, you know, it gave us so much just in terms of talking about relationships, gender, sexuality, um, and, uh, the mall. Yes. Uh, so I, yeah, those are some of my favorites to record this, uh, this season. Yeah. I'll say, I don't have a particular favorite, in mind from recording but i will say that some of the ones where i go in definitely thinking i have nothing to say and i don't like this episode that much like the merger 
or like maybe branch closing. And then it ends up being so fun. And I'm like, oh, it's actually more fun to record this episode than to watch this yeah, episode. Yeah. Um, and so those, even if I don't, if there's somewhere I don't totally love it watching it, it ends up being really fun to talk to you about. Another fun thing that happened on the podcast this season was uh, I felt like you added more context in another a number of episodes. And so the two that really stood out to me was when you brought Ben Franklin knowledge to bear um, on the Ben Franklin episode. That was a classic for me. And then I can't remember when it happened, but I know that um, one of our listeners, I think it was Eric, invited us to include more information on the history of paper. Um, yeah. Is that right? Um, or maybe it was uh, or maybe Eric or Corey, one of them. Yeah. Or and but also in the context of Eric asking us to expand our office supply. But I just thought yeah. your, your your contextual information, both into the history of paper and your favorite office supplies, was some highlights. Whether it was for the listeners or not, it certainly was for me. <laughs> All right. Well, next time we do this, next time we get through a season, I'm going to have to reflect more deliberately on the podcast itself. I'll revise and regret it next time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's always, that always gives us space to fail. How about some cold opens? Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about those. I have two. Okay. Have two. And um, I think you'll find a theme and you'll be able to put together what makes the greatest cold opens for me. So one of them, I'll just do them in order that they arrive. The first one is from episode four, Grief Counseling. It is completely yes. disconnected from the episode, but it is when Michael is offering to get a pencil from the warehouse and he has set up a row of paper boxes and he does the thing where he walks behind it like he's going down the stairs and he goes and he gets a pencil and then I think he gets a pen and then Pam asks him to get coffee from the warehouse and... It is just delightful and hilarious. You like that one too, right? It was top of my list. Uh, I love it. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it was, it was, it came instantly to mind and it cracks me up. So I, I totally agree. Just so, something about his performance of doing it. And then isn't it Stanley or some, somebody gets into it and is kind of like, you know, oh yeah, I want this or something. I don't know. I just... Dwight is really into it. Dwight is really excited about it. Pam wants the coffee and then she asks him to go back and get cream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like sweaty and out of breath and tired at the end and struggling. So good. It's great. The other one, again, a Michael-centric moment. This is episode 18, cocktails yes this is when michael the magic attempts to perform the straight jack jacket trick and he is secured into a straight jacket he's going to try to get himself out and he loses the key and can't get out of it and it is so funny it's amazing the way it's edited the way it's shot the performance but also you know i love magic and this brought magic to the to the um whatever to the party yeah. and it just cracked me up so much um yeah i love that one i really found then that a i'm very motivated by michael-based scenes but with the cold opens too in these cases they're really separate from the episode and it also is just sort of an opportunity for michael to do something that's yeah. really weird 
but that is fitting for his character. And it doesn't fit in in a real logical or streamlined way to a narrative, but it's just a beautiful moment. Well, I had written down um, five, so that was two of them. Um, my other three, there is definitely a similar theme, only instead of Michael-centric, it's Dwight and Jim-centric. And maybe that's, the, you know, it's kind of classic office. Um, but I know one of them you will not agree with. It's a, I recall this being a debate for us, but it, it really cracks me up. So it's branch closing when um, Jim is sending letters from future Dwight and Dwight like slaps the coffee out of Stanley's hand. Um, then back from vacation uh, when uh, I believe Michael is gone and Dwight is running the meetings and he records them for Michael, I think. And then everybody pretends that Dwight like, you know, is doing crazy stuff. And then Andy messes it up by uh, pretending to cut off Phyllis's head with a chainsaw <laughs> or something. Um and then finally, uh, Phyllis's wedding in which Jim does the Pavlov's dog uh, Altoid mm. trick with Dwight. Um, and so, yeah, I think all three of them share what I love, which is the kind of teasing of Dwight. And they are all kind of a bit over the top. Like uh -huh. they're a little zany. They're a little crazy. Um, they don't quite cross the line for me uh, into like, you know, out of the realm of what the office is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Anyway, so those are, those are my favorites. Nice. Those are really good ones. You I mean, they're not my favorite. They don't compete with the Michael focus ones, but I think that those are, let's just say very respectable choices. Did you, I felt though that if I recall right, you thought the letters from the future Dwight kind of, it did kind of break the boundaries of what you like in the office or some something like that is that yeah right? that's right i think that for me it goes a little too far dwight believing it mm. a little too far whereas okay. the doing the pavlov's dog thing and making him you know conditioning him to associate this need for a mint and the sound of the computer that felt like a pretty reasonable human experiment <laughs> Yeah, and that one's so funny to me too because it's it's takes so much time and effort on Jim's part. So like, part of what's so funny about it is his commitment to not working um, and to doing this instead. So yeah, yeah. Um, I have one other thing I would say, which is best cold ending <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, what, I don't know what you call those, like the button or the the whatever the little I don't know last gasp. Um, but. The product recall episode starts out with Jim pretending to be Dwight. And that's where you taught me we get the iconic line beats bears Battlestar Galactica, which I saw. I was recently driving on the turnpike and saw somebody had that as a bumper sticker, just said <laughs> bears beats Battlestar Galactica. And I was like, yeah. I know what that is. But at the end of that episode, Dwight shows up dressed as Jim and mm. he's got his hair all wonky or whatever. And I just think that's uh, delightful. I'm sure there are other and possibly better endings but that one i just remembered you know i think the other one that that made me think of is when jim is still at stanford oh it must be it must be the first episode it must be um yeah it is it's gay witch hunt and in the middle of the episode dwight has called to ask about gaydar yeah and gaydar and then uh jim has sent him so this is just the oh sorry just 
knocked over my teacup. Um, Jim has sent him basically a little metal detector and he's got two, he's labeled two ends and it's like hetero homo. And so Dwight goes and he's like buzzing it first on Oscar and it beeps when it gets close to his belt, but then Dwight does it and holds it to himself and it beeps again when it gets close to his belt. And so, and Pam is watching and just kind of laughs and knows where it comes from. And so that might be my favorite one of those. Great. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Um, shall we move to another category? Let's do it. Well, you had mentioned fashion awards. And mm -hmm. so I, I took some notes. Uh, I'm curious, though, where you want to go here. Okay. I would like to give out three fashion awards, though I'll mention there are some others that I've also considered. No, I'm going to give four. Yeah. <laughs> Already changing. Okay. So first of all, Michael, when he wears a woman's suit. Yep. Hilarious. I love it that he's just digging in bins and he finds a great suit he it doesn't bother him that there's a pink lining there are no pockets in the top in the back but he says italians don't wear pockets or something like that <laughs> and uh so i really really enjoy michael in his woman suit as daryl calls it next we have jan in the cocktails episode she wears mm -hmm. that black wrap dress her mm -hmm. hair just looks great it's kind of up and low but with some pieces falling out in the front and tall boots i think and she just really looks fabulous there then the other kind of occasion so some of these were like unique occasions where they had great outfits and angela at phyllis's wedding that's when she wore that kind of powder blue is that what's called powder blue baby blue mm -hmm. um, set where it was the skirt the jacket with the kind of uh scalloped cut and the little pillbox hat and it was just the most adorable and amazing outfit. So I loved that. So those were some key moments. But overall, day-to-day -day fashion at the Office Award, I think has to go to Karen Filippelli. Kevin says she looks so corporate with her little pantsuits. Uh, but I think she does, I think she does a good job of it. I think she looks, she looks really nice. Also, she wears this whale tail uh, necklace all the time. And I also really like that. Mm. Yeah, I had on my list uh, Michael's bisexual suit. Uh, doesn't he say it's at least bisexual? Yes, yes um, not, you're right. I should stop calling it a woman's suit because he makes clear it's not entirely a woman's suit. Yes. It's, it's bisexual. Yes. Um, and then I just wrote, yeah, Karen's suits. Um, I really like her kind of silk blouse. Mm -hmm. um, and I like some of her pants, especially if I recall, there's like a pinstripe one I really enjoy. But I'll just say, I mean, we haven't talked about it because I'm always, you know, like uh, wary of sounding, you know, objectifying or fetishy. But like whoever is playing Karen is like incredibly stunning and gorgeous. And it is just so amusing to me that not like the characters don't seem to recognize that or acknowledge it in any way. And quite the opposite, like people sometimes are sort of like, uh you know, like she's not that hot or something like that. I, it's so, I find that joke, maybe I've mentioned this before, but I find that joke sometimes very effective when you you cast like, you know, a woman that could be a model or whatever in comedy. And then everybody's like, doesn't recognize that they're beautiful or whatever. And then quite the opposite or I don't know. They do that and it's always sunny in Philadelphia and it's it's kind of an amusing thing. Anyway, so um, 
yeah, I just think she's stunning and her whole style I I dig and would like to adopt and steal. Um, yeah. as a person who's trying to figure out what it looks like to wear women's mm-hmm. clothes in the workplace, I've been taking notes. Uh and so if if you're choosing your model of woman in the workplace who you want to follow, who do you think both is your aspiration and who do you think is maybe the most fitting of your style? So uh, like Aaron. We got Jan, we got Pam, Angela. I already know the Phyllis, Kelly, Meredith. We got a lot of options. Yeah, I want. I aspire to Karen, but I am a Meredith. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How are you, Meredith? <laughs> I don't know. I just was funny. I'm just thinking about the incident on the the Beach Games episode where she's wearing that kind of knitted <laughs> green top. <laughs> And she says, um, you know, we're going to the beach today. So I wore my swimsuit and then she pulls it up and then realizes, oh, wait, I left it in my bag. <laughs> um, well, I just have a few other little notes. Uh, Jim's haircut, I feel like deserves a nod. Um, that's, you know, near the end of the season. Uh, Dwight and Michael's trench coats, which they wear in the branch closing episode outside of David Wallace's house. If mm-hmm. I recall. Yeah, they do. Um, Stanley and Kevin's beachwear, uh, they're wearing hats and, and Kevin has these sunglasses. Um, technically I think Stanley, Kevin and Dwight are all wearing these kind of cowboy-esque or bucket hat type things, but I feel that Stanley and Kevin really stood out. And then finally, and you were the one who pointed this out to me and I agree, Angela's Christmas outfit, I think is a memorable, um, fashion statement on the show so oh when she has that kind of sheer lacy white top yeah yeah i think a plaid skirt yep yeah it's memorable i would like to add a best hair and worst hair moments of the season for best hair i want to give it to pam when she goes to phyllis's wedding it's half up but still parted and low and it looks really beautiful the worst hair, though, has to go to Jim's wig that is hideous and so distracting. And it starts coming in. He has his own hair, I think, through about episode 16, 17. I think it's around 18 when he gets that hair hat. And it just looks so bad. And it detracts from the episodes. It hurts for me. So it is a great relief when he gets a cut and goes back to his actual hair um, in the job. Well, I think that just leaves uh, the MVP. Is that right? I think that leaves the MVP. Yeah. Do you want to lead us into the into the light? I don't think anyone is going to be surprised by my MVP. It's obviously Michael Scott. Oh. I mean, how could you possibly do this without him? Um, he introduced us to scotch and splenda he introduced us to the bisexual suit he gave us lots of good language um it's michael i wrote down three choices um hoping that i would say again let's talk through them were you hoping you would not land on michael well, hoping that I would be able to decide between them. I did go through and I was thinking Michael initially and I felt like, well, 
why and i felt that it was you know it's like our criteria of kind of like narratively he's essential to everything that happens in the show but that also feels like kind of a cop-out in a way because it's like of course he is he's sort of the protagonist in a sense mm-hmm. um so i tried to come up with a different criteria and so i have t- i'm gonna give two honorable mentions and i know who my number one is might be a controversial pick but my first honorable mention goes to dwight it should be uh, no surprise to anybody i'm a mm-hmm. dwight stan um but i also think he leads us to some of the funnier moments of the season um uh the initiation cracks me up there's just a lot of little fun bits as you know when Dwight rises to power and paints the office black there are a lot of I think that he like elevates a lot of episodes with small moments um and then narratively for the season I actually thought I wanted to give a big honorable mention to Pam who has a big arc that we talked about last time and I thought the actress is just incredible I think she's she sells the romantic element of this show and um without her I I don't think the Jim Pam thing like would work as well as it does and it was a big ask I think to shift the last season Jim is the puppy dog melancholic one and this season she is and she I just it, it I thought it was really interesting. And also we don't tend to get a, a, a female character kind of being the yearning one, I feel in these kinds of plots. So, so anyway, I, you know, and I like her development, her artistry, whatever, but my MVP of the whole season uh, and I, and I own it is Jan Levinson. Um, I just think Jan leads to some of the best episodes and some of the best plots. And so yeah from the cocktails episode to you know the job interview to the scene where um oh yeah when him uh, doing the uh the photo from the beach and going away to uh, yeah. sandals um just so many moments oh eat the negotiation movie night you know or movie day whatever it is all of that i just thought was top tier she she she's so goddamn funny and michael and her play off each other so well so here's to you jan levinson i want to endorse i think your choices for both jan and pam because if we were to add that one of the things has to be not just like for me oh it's always michael because he's the best character of the show but who is uniquely effective in this season and i Mm. think that the two of them are uniquely important and uniquely effective. Actually, related to Pam, one of the questions that came up last time, there's a moment when she says, she's in the the second job um, episode, very, very end of the season, when she's in that interview and she's saying, you know, the timing just never lined up for me and Jim. Like he kind of put it out there for me and then I put it out there for him and he rejected me. and we were like, does he, when exactly does that happen though, that she puts herself out there to him in as direct of a way? And going back, I was actually wondering if there was something more meaningful that she said during the Diwali episode. Mm. So she's tearing around at Diwali her phone and she texts Jim and it's at the time he's at Stanford and he's with Karen and Andy and he has just been drinking a ton with Andy as they I don't know, reconcile the books or whatever at night. And after she texts him, though, she keeps looking 
back at it and is kind of sad looking at it and not getting a response. And she says to Michael when they're sitting outside at the steps after Carol has said no to him, I kind of thought something would happen tonight too. And so it just made me wonder if she was kind of putting a little more out there. That's interesting. Oh, got to rewatch that. So, yeah, got to rewatch that. I guess the other, so the question of criteria, and this is if I'm trying to justify my Michael MVP pick, is not only their importance, but if we took the, you know, the Marie Kondo book that I haven't actually read, but you kind of get the idea from it. And it's about getting clutter out of your house. And so she says, you look at it and you hold it in your hands and you ask, does it spark joy or something like that? So who would be the character who sparks the most joy where they're not necessarily that functional? So they wouldn't have to be the most important, um, but they just give you the most joy. And that's got to be Michael for me. I get that. I get it. And I, as I said, like reviewing the season, I was like, man, it's hard not to pick Michael because not to pick Michael. His performance is iconic and it's funny and it's uh, layered and yeah. It's and yet so I didn't, I didn't pick Michael because I knew you would. <laughs> I want to be more edgy and I want to be more interesting, and yet I love the man. You drink uh, scotch with Splenda. You're edgy. You're edgy as hell. You don't live a Nerf life, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's true isn't my relationship with michael goes to a different level that makes it edgy sure. well so uh next time we're gonna come back and we're gonna have uh dundee data yeah um, i'm gonna run the numbers and i'm gonna i'm gonna find out what they show and we'll reflect a little bit more on the podcast and uh yeah i'm really excited to also maybe anticipate what we have in store for season four yeah yeah there's there's a lot to look forward to all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.